Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Songs That Save Me. I am your host, Ross James, and you may have noticed we've taken the last uh, two weeks off to give a little bit of space to social media and what everybody's putting in their ears and focusing on right now, because as we all know, there are much more important issues that we should all be giving our attention to right now, and fights that I wish we weren't still fighting, and I'm going to take the next few episodes of this podcast to use the platform to focus on black musicians and the influence of black music, Um, because there's really, you know, every tune that we've talked about on this show, whether it's by a black artist or a white artist or an artist of any race for that matter, it wouldn't exist without black musicians and the contributions black musicians have made to all of this music that we love and hold dearly. And I'm going to be speaking with a few different people, um, talking about their experiences and songs by black musicians and um, concerts they've been to, all that kind of thing that have been profound and influential for them. And the idea, you know, I was... I was just taking a pause from the show for a little bit and I had an interview with my my dear friend Matt Butler from the Everyone Orchestra. And, you know, we were going back and forth and how it it didn't really like seem like the right time to to do the interview and then he came up with the, the idea to sort of focus on it this way and I was leaning towards something like that um giving the show a little bit of direction in that way and I just want to thank him for lighting that fire and uh his his conversation with me is going to be coming out as part of this series too but today on the program I've got Phil Lesh from the Grateful Dead and uh you know he's a dear friend a mentor uh family and a musical sage is a way I like to describe him and I feel very lucky to have gotten to spend so much time with him over the years and make so much music with him. And it was very, very cool to hear about three experiences that blew his mind. And he still struggles to find the words to describe how profound these experiences were. Um, so I think you're really going to dig this episode. I know I really enjoyed getting to talk with him in this way. And if you are liking the podcast, go on and give us a follow on Instagram at songs that save me. Don't forget to leave us a review here in the Apple podcast store. And I hope you enjoy this chat with me and Phil. How are you doing, man? Uh, I can't complain. Uh, (laughs) I mean, what good would it do? And, uh, and, uh, you know, there's, there's absolutely no recourse. I mean, you know, we're you know, pretty much stuck here. Yeah. You know, we, we can't go out and uh, can't go out and work, can't go out and eat. And, yeah, it's like a depressing Groundhog Day kind of. You know? And then, <laughs> and then, and then, uh, and then our country is falling apart. You know, so. Yeah, it's really hard to watch, uh, and it just keeps you know, it's one thing after the next, kind of. It seems like. Um, are you you know during this time are you are you feeling creative or inspired to create at all i'm 
I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to as much as I can. I'm, I'm doing some things with uh, Graham. We did, we did a, we did a stream the other day, and I've, I've done some recording with the family band, as you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's that's pretty much uh, what I'm doing. Right on. Well, um, you know, we sort of talked about uh, highlighting three experiences that you've had over the years with uh, black musicians. And I'd love to sort of jump into it and hear about the first one. Okay, so let's see. Uh, that would be yeah. Okay, the first thing, the first, the first uh, experience that I had like that was uh, in 1962 at uh, at the jazz workshop in San Francisco. Uh huh. And um, it was uh, Coltrane's quartet with uh, McCoy and uh, uh, Jimmy Garrison and uh, Elvin. And uh, but that that night it was it was extra special because Wes Montgomery was uh, was sat in with with our Coltrane oh. uh, for that for the whole show, <laughs> and uh, uh, that was at a point when they were playing together a lot, and and for a while it seemed like Wes might even join the band. Right. Yeah, that, 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 that's a, that's a sad thing that that never happened. Oh my god! Because yeah. because the because the the what they played together was ab- absolutely the the most transcendental, highest musical experience I've ever had in my life. <laughs> had you and, ever seen either of those guys before, or any? Yeah, any- I, yeah. I, I saw a train. <laughs> I saw a train in '58 with. Uh, <laughs> With the Miles Davis sextet, Cannonball, <laughs> uh, Miles Train, uh, Winton Kelly, uh, Jimmy Cobb, and and Paul Chambers. Man, it's... I didn't get to see the one, the band with Bill Evans, but yeah, but uh, I, I and that, that on the, on that night, Train played a, played a, a, like Body and Soul for like twenty five minutes, <laughs> and he just it, and he just he just kept flowering and, and he never repeated himself but anyway in in, in 62 this it was an entirely different animal it wasn't it wasn't even jazz music any longer you know it was it was it was i mean i i, I really struggle for words to to describe the magnitude the, the magnificence the, the sublimity of it of it all yeah, I mean, it, it was it was like the walls melted away, and we were on some we were in, in some golden amphitheater somewhere, somewhere in in spiritual space, you know, and and th- these guys were playing the music of the spheres. I mean, the gods were walking the earth. It was that, it was that intense. It was that powerful. It was that. It was that magnificent. And, and I, I still get chills thinking yeah, about it to this you're, day. You're giving me chills, man. Uh, what is what is so? This was at a place called the Jazz Workshop, right? Yeah. Now, what what was that venue like? How I'm sorry. Was, say again. Say again. What was the club like? How big was it? Was it like a, a theater? Was it a, a like a jazz club, like the Vanguard or something? What was? The oh vibe? yeah, yeah. It was a jazz club with seats and uh, tables and 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 a, and a cover charge and uh, a two drink minimum. <laughs> you know, the, the classic jazz club. Yeah. In 1962, what was the was the crowd? You know, was it mostly black people? Was it a mix? What was what was the? Oh no, it was it was very it was very mixed. Yeah, very mixed. And uh, in fact, 
<laughs> at one point, um, at one point, uh, the, the the band. I think this might. I think West might have actually only sat in for the second set, mm-hmm. which seems to be which seemed to go on forever. But but uh, <laughs> it, sometime in the first set, uh, they were they were playing. They were playing just a. They were playing just a, kind of a standard swing tune, you know. Yeah, I don't remember what it was. And uh, there was a table of four, uh, like, suits, mm-hmm. like, not, not far from, from where we were sitting. And, 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 they're, and they're, they're having a really good time. And they start clapping on the one and the three. <laughs> you know, and, and this goes on for a little while. And then and then after, after about, well, maybe two choruses of that, Elvin turned the rhythm around so that, it sounded like they were clapping on the two and the four. <laughs> he just, he just like, like just moved the rhythm around. <laughs> oh my gosh! So, so, it, so they would be, they would be correct. <laughs> it was, you know, it was that was just a little moment that that was like, yeah, okay, and it was, and it was so good spirited, you know, yeah. so good hearted the way he did it. He didn't, he didn't you know, you know. They, no, nobody yelled at him for clapping on the one and the three. They just turned it around so that it fit perfectly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, yeah. did you have a lot of friends that were into that that music at the time too? I mean, you were you weren't playing bass yet, right? No, no, I, I was I was studying composition at the time uh, under, with uh, Luciano Barrio over at Mills. Okay, and it, it, did you discover like did you discover this music? Through oh uh, no oh no I no, no I just I discovered it I had discovered it uh, like in high school wow uh, starting out with big bands you know I, mm-hmm. I, I I I loved the big bands I was playing trumpet at the time yeah and uh, and uh, then then I got into small groups and uh, and uh, eventually uh, eventually the East Coast I, I was. For a long time, I was I was really into West Coast jazz, you know, Shorty Rogers, that sort of thing. Yeah. And um, and 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 then and then I'll never forget the first time I heard Coltrane play. It was on a recording at uh, it was at summer camp, <laughs> summer music camp, literally uh-huh. in uh, Stockton at the University of Pacific, and. Uh, Somebody put on a uh, somebody put on a straight no chaser from the Milestones album, and when I heard when I heard when Train just first started to play, I was outraged. I was I, it was like you can't play tenor like that. What 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 happened to Stan Gantz and, and what happened to, what happened to Lester Young and and all of the all of the all of those smooth mo tenor players. <laughs> and here and here's this guy like biting it. Yeah. You know? Shrieking it, and, and 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 with this with this tone that was like a that was that was like a laser before laser, lasers even existed, <laughs> you know, and uh, and 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 the way and, and the way he the, the way he the way he subdivided the beat and uh, and and and, uh, and phrased over, you know, over, over the bar line so that so that it was it was just this continuous flow which. Had its own interior rhythm, and and uh, it was just it was only marginally related to the bar lines and the and the, the groove that was going down. It was just a, a, astonishing, and uh, 
know, after my first initial shock, it, it, it just it just grabbed me. You know, I'm like this is this is revolutionary. <laughs> you know, in, in terms in terms of in terms of the way you you play music. Yeah. And, you, uh, for you specifically, and not just the whole scene. Oh no, I think I think I think a lot of musicians felt that same way. Yeah, but uh, it was definitely true for me. Yeah, and I, uh, and so and so the, so then I sort of fo- followed that, you know, uh, from that point on, I I sort of followed those uh, those musicians because hmm. you know, it was like I'm, uh, uh, <laughs> I mean, this is this is a path. This is a this is a way. Mm-hmm. This is a way a way to to uh, I don't know to expand it, our horizons. You know, do something new. Now, I got a question. You know, I've been talking to a few different folks with this sort of directive, and and you know, talking about uh, uh, race and music, and I, I'm curious if there was ever sort of a conscious thought. You know, a lot of people I've talked to when we talk about uh, music by black musicians that really was profound for them and influenced them in a big way. Yeah. The, the notion of race wasn't even part of come the, into it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. So same thing for you where it's not, it's not even part of the equation. It, it's just a human transcendent yeah, kind of no, thing. I mean, yeah, no, I mean, this was the gods walking the earth and I, you know, you couldn't tell what color they were. <laughs> Got it. I love <laughs> you know? that, man. So how you you're 22 or so is that right when you started? I was, I was 22, yeah. Gosh, yeah, yeah. I can that imagine was, nothing being the same after that. <laughs> yeah, it, it was like, yeah, and it took it took me years and years. It, well, it took me another three to five years to be able to to uh, to to like act on that to 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 be able to use that experience in, in, in my own in my own way uh, I had I, I had to join the band and start playing bass before the, 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 the conditions were right you know yeah I mean did, did you think that that instrument that voice playing bass was a was an easy kind of way to start applying this especially in the context of the way you guys were doing things uh, no it was it, uh, no, it was it was a gift from heaven hmm Playing the bass, Gar- Garcia gave me a life. He gave me an instrument. You know, and I, I'll never, I'll never forget that. <laughs> Man, so all right, so '62, you see Wes sit in with Train. What's uh, what's the next kind of moment where a uh, performance by a black musician really? Right. Well, <laughs> there. Uh, I, I'm torn between this, the, uh, the, 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 the Count Basie uh, thing that I mentioned, and, and uh, Bill, Bill Graham brought Polonius Monk to the Fillmore in 1967. Did you know that? <laughs> no. Oh my he, God. He brought Thelonious Monk to play for the hippies. Wow. <laughs> that had to be and, uh, a night. And, you, uh, did you get to, you just got to see everything? That was yeah, yeah, on, I mean, yeah. yeah uh, all, all it was so cool. All <laughs> the bands uh, could get in free. Oh my god! All, 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 all yeah, we all knew everybody. Mm-hmm. You know, all, all of the, the the staff at the at the Fillmore and everybody. And uh, so, so we we anytime there was somebody we wanted to hear, we just fall by. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, 
it was a great scene. Yeah. On all levels. Yeah. You know, for musicians. Anyway, um, yeah, so, so I think it was 67, might have been 66, not, yeah, no, it was 67, because I think this is, this is the, this is the show where Bill and Mickey met. That the Thelonious or the Count Basie? Bill, Bill Kurtzman. Yeah. No, no, Basie. Oh, they met at the show? Yeah. At, oh, wow. Uh, yeah. It's, <laughs> it's, a, it's kind of a famous story. Uh-huh. Uh, anyway, so, so this is Count Basie, all right? The, 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 the legendary big man from, coming from the 30s or maybe even earlier. Right. I think he might have started out in the late 20s, you know, along with Duke Ellington and all this and, and Cam Calloway and all of those guys. Right. But he, he's, he survived up to up until the 60s, one of the last, in fact, probably the last big band of the classic era. You know, mm-hmm. And uh, so Bill Graham brought him to the film. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and, and so, and so all, of course, all the musicians, you know, we we knew we knew the the music from from recordings, but the the word on the word was that, that like so many other acts, uh, the live experience is so much more powerful and uh, and uh, we I, I know we we all wanted to check that out you know, hmm. and so 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 we get there and and the the band is setting up and. and um, there's not a lot of there, there's not a lot of people there, you know. A lot of, a lot of, hippies didn't really, really uh, know that much about Count Basie. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but as 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 kind of like at Terrapin, there, there, there's always the regulars who come down come down to, to no matter what's going on. Yeah. You know? yeah. So the, there was a bunch of those those folks there that you saw all the time, and uh, but it was and the band was taking their time setting up, you know, and. Uh, so pretty soon everybody sits down on the floor. There's only there's only about two hundred people in there, and and so pretty soon everybody sits down on the floor. You know, goes get goes to get a, a beer or something, and uh, so that so pretty soon the band you know we're all sitting on the floor, and pretty soon the band comes out. <coughs> they you know, get get all lined up on on, on the stage. Uh, Basie comes out and everybody applauds. And Basie sits down and he and starts tinkling away at the piano. And uh, and uh, this uh, I lay, uh, uh, th- this is kind of like his signature thing. He'll 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 like state some kind of he'll state the the, the first eight bars of the song. Mm-hmm. On the piano, or the first sixteen bars or something, and the band comes in. And so, and uh, but he, for some reason, he went on usually long on this. And so, and so, <laughs> and then so some of us are saying, "Where's when's the band come?" <laughs> and then, and then the, the drummer does one of those uh, like like a Rolling Stone kick-ins, you know. Yeah, <laughs> and the, and the band drops in, and I swear to God, I I, I scooted on my ass three feet back <laughs> because it, it, because just the impact, the impact of this this incredible 
tight band. I mean, you never you never heard of seventeen musicians playing as as tight as that. Yeah. I mean, they they were like one person, you know. Hmm. I mean, and it just <laughs> it just it just I don't know. <laughs> it was like it was a combination of oh, so this is what the shouting is all about. And, <laughs> right. And, and, why haven't I had? Why haven't I heard this before? You know? Yeah, you know, it, it was just, uh, it was just the, uh, and 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 it just got better from there. You know what I mean? Yeah. They, they just, they just, they played all their classics. Uh, not uh, what is it? Uh, sea Jam Boogie, I think, is one of the one of the hmm. one of their, and and they, and they stretch things out too. You know, they they would. They would with the big band, they would stretch things out so that like so open that, sections. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah just on, on a drone, kind of like trained in, kind of like the Grateful Dead did later. Yeah. Now I wonder, you know, because that that idea of that like super tight, you know, and yeah. you, there are the elements of the open thing that you're talking about, but but these super tight sections of tunes is a little bit in contrast of. The, Cal- the San Francisco scene at that time, it was, there was definitely like a looseness to what was going on with a lot of the music there. And that was part of uh, what made that sound. I wonder, did you, did you guys, were you there with the rest of the band or were you just with friends or? Oh, well, I, uh, I don't, I, I know that Mick, Mick, I know that Bill was there. Yeah, yeah. And because, and I, I don't remember if anybody else would, uh, made it. Bob might have made it. Mm-hmm. Bob might have made it. Because he he was always into that as well. Yeah. Um, but that, that, but that, like I said, that's where Bill met Mickey. Huh. Um, just by, uh, because, by chance. Because Mickey chance? Mickey was a Mickey was a friend of the uh, of the uh, bassist drummer Sonny Payne. Okay. So gotcha. he was there to see them, and and some some the the story is that some mysterious stranger said came up to Mickey and said. See that guy over there? That's Bill Kreutman. He plays drums for the Grateful Dead. You need to go talk to him. <laughs> that's the that's the that's the mysterious stranger. Legend. That's the legend. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, who knows? But yeah. you know, I love. It's a great story. Yeah, what a chance encounter. I mean, of, uh, there's 200 people at this show, and two of them have to happen to be those guys, and that's where they meet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> now, did did you guys take did did you take something away from that, as far as that that tightness kind of thing? Did were you feeling inspired yeah. by what you've seen? Yeah, well, to... I, 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 I took away I took away the fact that we'll never be that tight. <laughs> so we we you know yeah, and we don't want to be right, right. <laughs> I love that man. Um, <laughs> wow, incredible! So so that takes us up to. 67. I mean, in between, you know, the, the first experience we're talking about in this one and, and whatever this next one's going to be, um, there were probably, I mean, countless times where you guys shared the stage with, I mean, legends of music, black, black musicians. I mean, I I know you've talked to to me a little bit about backing up like Bo Diddley and stuff like that. What are, are there some settings? Well, there was the coasters. Uh Uh-huh. We 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 backed we backed the coasters for a week <laughs> what? At, at this little club in Belmont. 
at the at the in room where we had our had our uh, where we had our six week uh, residency. Now their and, tunes uh, are kind of straight, right? Like, did you ever try to like fuck fuck with them and like play like like go out on any of that stuff, or did you keep it kind of? Oh fuck no, man. We were just hired. We were just hired hands. Yeah. All right. <laughs> uh, man, this was when we were still at Warlocks. Okay. We weren't. We weren't. We were still forming. You know. Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness so all right well let's hear let's hear about one more one more show or one more okay experience. so i think it's april 1970 bill graham brings miles davis with his bitches brew band that record must have just come out right like it was yeah 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 and uh it's it, it's interesting it's interesting the because the, the personnel kept shifting you know i mean uh, at one point, I heard that band in Boston. I don't remember whether it was after this or before it, mm-hmm. where uh, where he had the, the, the same band with um, Keith Jarrett and Chick Corea both playing keyboards. I heard I heard that I heard them in Boston. Uh, at, 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 I think uh, the jazz workshop in Boston, coincidentally enough, huh. and uh, and. That was that was incredible, in its in its in its, its uh, richness, its variety, you know, and uh, and uh, but then but then we had to follow them. They were open, at the, at the film opening for you. <laughs> we had to follow follow Miles Bitches Brooding <laughs> at, at at the Carousel Film Asia. and uh, but but. But we got to hear them play first, mm-hmm. you know, which was kind of a mixed blessing. Right. But uh, but so so the, so the so they, uh, they I think they had uh, I think it was it was Miles and maybe the, maybe that guy uh, Bill Evans on saxophone mm-hmm. and uh, Dave Holland was playing bass. I think Jack DeJohnette was playing drums. Hmm. And there should be one more. Oh, and, and uh, I think it was I think it was Chick on on, on uh, keyboards. Yeah, probably like right after that record. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, so they come out they come out to do their set, and we are literally hanging. I'm I'm hanging over Dave Holland's bass amplifier, leaning over it. <laughs> on the stage to get trying to get as close to it as i <laughs> as i possibly can and so and so they play this incredible set uh, there's a recording of it somewhere and it, it only did like two songs and it was like right. you know 45 minutes to an hour but it was that was the most intense thing i'd heard since uh since 62 coltrane at, mm-hmm. at, uh, at the jazz workshop i mean it was relentless it was like a, a tsunami or a force of nature or something it just it just rolled out yeah. was it was it just a one night only thing or was it a, a run or i'm sorry was it was it just one night that you guys played together or was it a couple nights or do you remember i think i i think it was two but i i'm not sure uh-huh no i, I only remember the one yeah 
clearly. So. <laughs> <laughs> now, were you guys, was there any interaction between you guys uh, yeah. and their band? Yeah, yeah. Miles, Miles even talks about it in his, 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 his autobiography. Because <laughs> the rest of us were pretty intimidated. Because yeah. I, I had I had gone down I had gone back to see Miles in '58 to, to see him and ask him if he'd sign a sign one of his albums and he he was not into that <laughs> very grumpy so uh, so I I figured you know okay but Jerry brave soul that he is he went back and you know he kind of went back and you know, on our behalf he kind of paid the, paid his respects to Miles. And Miles really appreciated that, and he said so in his book. You know. hmm. And uh, but uh, th- that was pretty much it. I mean, you know, you, you pay your respects to the master, and yeah. you don't really interact. Wow. I mean, had had Miles had he done shows at the Fillmore by then on his like without you guys before that? Had you, sorry, seen, uh, had you seen Miles in San Francisco, you know, like in a few years before? Was he a familiar uh, no, no, face? No, no, no. That just came out of nowhere. Yeah. Because he had, because before the Bitches Brew Band, he just played in clubs. Okay. And, and so, uh, I don't know, maybe it was his management that, uh, that put, it, put it out there, but, or maybe it was his idea. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if it was. Man. Yeah. So, so I mean, I mean, and he had his he, he had his costume on, you know, yeah, his kind of like hippie costume on. Oh, really? Like oh, yeah. like tie dye yeah, or like something? Flow, flow, <laughs> well, not not exactly, yeah. but really really colorful and more African. You know? Uh huh. Yeah. Really, uh, really colorful flowing garments. Oh, man. Whereas before he was famous for wearing cool suits. Uh huh. Yeah. Wow. So. You know, I'm curious. Like, what do you remember about your guys' set after that? <laughs> <laughs> I, I remember thinking, "Shit, this sounds really lame." This and of sounds course, really of, lame. Of course, when you start thinking that, then it really, really starts to sound lame when, when, you're, yeah, when you're thinking exactly. Like that. <laughs> oh my god! Oh, yeah. So you know, how long? You talk about taking a few years after you saw Train and, and Montgomery to sort of process it and start applying it. Were there lessons and uh, ideas that you you gained from from either the Count Basie thing or or this Miles uh, experience that leaked into your playing and and as a band collectively, you know, experiencing that? Yeah, uh, I don't. I don't. I don't think. I don't. I don't really remember that mm-hmm. being a factor. Yeah. Uh, after after we, after Miles, it was it was more like so jaw. It was more like so jaw dropping. Hmm. You know that, uh, and and it, it was almost like it'd be presumptuous yeah. to try to, uh, to try to try to <laughs> mimic that in in any way, in any way. So we just we just. Kept on doing what we did, and I'm sure, I'm sure some of the like the more abstract concepts behind that music kind of filtered into our consciousness, and mm-hmm. mostly in the space segment, you know. Yeah. When did you guys start like making that? Was that always a part of the show? Not always, but I I, th- I, I actually don't remember, but probably 
probably became a fixture in uh, in the, the late seventies. And did you guys come? Did you guys call it that, or is that something that like fans came up with? I always wondered. Uh, I think I think we that, that's how we refer to it: drums in space. Yeah, you guys. Okay, man. Uh, unbelievable experiences, man. It's, just to get to see all of that stuff, you know. No, oh, no, I've been very lucky that way. Very, very lucky. Wow, so cool, man. I really, I can't thank you enough for taking the time to kind of relive it and share those stories with me. It's really, it's great to talk to you and and, and hear yeah. this stuff. And you know, I think it's it's important to talk about it right now too. So I appreciate absolutely. it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, it's great to hear your voice too, brother. And uh, I hope you're, uh, hope you're uh, uh, staying happy. Oh yeah, man. You know, I'm, uh, I'm about as happy as one can be during this, this time, you know, personally, yeah, exactly. I, you know, trying to put as much positivity out as I can right now. And, and I, I thank you for being a part of it, Phil. And yeah. I look forward to when, uh, the the light at the end of this tunnel when we can get together and play some music because it's going to yeah. be yeah. overwhelming. Have I have I, t- have I turned you on to this the software from Stansard that allows you to play in real time over the internet? You you've talked to me about it, and I mean, yeah. does it require some crazy like hardwired connection? Uh, yeah, it th- yeah among among other things, uh-huh. yeah. <laughs> but but uh, what, let, let me send you a link. Okay. To, there's a class, uh-huh. an online class, that comes comes out of Stanford. Okay. Uh, uh, that deals with uh, with all of it, and it's it, it's nerdy, <laughs> but uh, it's free, and you don't have to you don't have to sign up uh, to take uh, for credit or anything like uh-huh. that. You uh-huh. you can just uh, go through it and and try and try and get work it out. Um, just take a look at it. I will. Yeah. And I'll send you. I'll send you a link to it. Have bro. you tried? Have you tried it I'm, out? I'm 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 partway through it now. Uh huh. Yeah. I'm partway through. I've got I've got the I've got to the point where I have the software on my computer and it's working for audio input. All right. Okay. And so and so now I, now I'm now I have to have to go through the whole network protocols, which is the real meat of it, yeah. and it's the real that's the nerdiest part. <laughs> Well, I can nerd out a little bit. That sounds interesting to me. I'll check it out. <laughs> yeah, check it out. Yeah, you, you never know. It it could be the future, and I, I, yeah. I, I'm really surprised that that no no one has tried to bring this stuff to the to market. Yeah, you know, I mean, especially you, now. You know what I mean? Yeah, you look at like you know, it's been really great getting to make music with a family band the way that we've done it. And yeah. it's actually all, everything we've done has turned out like in the moment when I'm working on it or whatever, I'm like, God, I hope this turns out okay. And then you see the finished product and you're like, oh, this is pretty awesome actually. <laughs> you know? Yeah. But that's it, been, it, that's it, been working really well. Yeah. yeah it, it's still just like, it's a lot of work. You know what yeah. I mean? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it'd be cool to be able to do the live thing. No yeah, doubt. Well, would and then we can record that and some exactly know. yeah so. okay brother right, good to, good talking to you man you too i love you phil give jill a hug for me yeah. all right i sure will love you well there you have it the first installment of our show that's focusing on the influence of black music I hope you dug uh, the conversation between me and phil there uh, some incredible stories and hearing him from him 
just the excitement in his voice about something that happened, you know, 60 years ago, just about with some of those really sheds light on the power of music. And one of the, that, that line he says where there, they were, they, they were gods walking the earth and it didn't matter what color they were. I mean, holy shit, that, that says it all. And that's, that's what we all need to focus on. So stay tuned for more episodes of songs that saved me with this, this directive here. Give us a follow on Instagram at songs that saved me. And please leave us a review right here in the Apple podcast store. I'll see you next time on songs that saved me.